Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z, where each week we look at three tshuvas of Rav Moshe Feinstein, going through the alphabet, following a different theme each week. This week we're looking at conversion, and today's tshuva is going to focus again on a central aspect of conversion, the accepting of mitzvot, and specifically what happens if a convert, a prospective convert, accepts all of the mitzvot except for one, or except for a few. Does that constitute a legitimate accepting of the mitzvot? Um, we're actually going to look at two tshuvot, one very short one from 1928, and then a longer one from 1968. Uh, we'll start with the short one from 1928, very early, before he came to America. This is your day 1, 157. And he says, Begersh Anan Sadi Shalokibo Mitzvos, Afshomer Bepiv Shemakabel. And this will, for those who heard uh, the previous podcast, this will sound familiar. The converts said they are accepting the mitzvot, but it's self evident from the context that they are not really accepting it. Is that self-evident context enough to invalidate? And here Rav Moshe says, if the context is clear, then it certainly is. Um, and he says, uh, you, the one who asked it, had a doubt whether this would work, because he did say he was accepting, even though it seems obvious that he wasn't sincere. He says, no, if it's clear, then it obviously does not work. That's not an acceptance of mitzvot. And what's really interesting about this tshuva, he says, it's this is how my father of blessed memory has ruled in this town Strobin. And he says, this is the psaq I have from my father. If it's self-evident, then it does not work even post facto. Now, the af imamar b'piv shemakabel. Yes, he says he is. I'm a non sadik shenemakabel. If it's self-evident, it's no good. Um, and then Rav Moshe goes on to say, then Rav Moshe says, it is true that Bidyevid we allow a conversion for the sake of marriage, but that's only when, whatever the motivation, at the end of the day, the convert is sincere, and sincerely not just becoming Jewish, sincerely accepting the mitzvot, or at least it's not self-evident that the convert is not sincere about that. Um, and now he again turns to this issue about the rabbis that are, the orthodox rabbis that are willing to do conversions even with a pro forma acceptance, which we saw in the earlier tshuva. What's fascinating is here he's, it's the same concern in 1928 in Soviet Russia. I can't understand the rabbis that make this mistake and think that a pro forma acceptance works. And now what's funny is you think he's going to say that clearly is not an acceptance of mitzvot. But he, he in two words, sort of acknowledges that there might be a halachic argument to defend that. That yes, maybe just saying it, everything else is dvarim shabalev. But nevertheless, he says, what about their policy consideration? He says, How do they think they're helping the Jewish community by converting people who aren't going to keep mitzvot? Now, people have a lot of debates about what's the right policy, right? Is it only we only want people that are going to keep mitzvot? Maybe we want to deal with realities of intermarriage. Maybe converting people who intermarry opens the gate for more intermarriage. You know, maybe we need more Jews even if they're not keeping the mitzvot. So why does Rav Moshe think it's obvious as a policy reason we, that we should not be doing this regardless of the halacha? Um, 
Uh, it's certainly not what God wants and what we want, that not fully observant Jews are mixed up among us. Now, does that mean that Rav Moshe is totally dismissive of non-observant Jews? No, we know from other Shuvot that he clearly was not. But I think what he's reflecting here is a point that comes up in the Gemara, that if they're living within a Orthodox community um, and the Orthodox rabbis are accepting them, then they actually could be leading from Jews astray, encouraging a general lack of full observance of mitzvot, seems to be uh, what he is getting at. That's, they're mixed up in Am Yisrael. As far as God doesn't want it, does God not want Jews who are not fully observant? In a different Tshuva, Rav Moshe actually says, when he deals with conversion of a minor, he actually says that there's a good argument to say that even if the baby or the minor is not going to keep mitzvot, it's still his benefit to be Jewish, even if he's not going to keep the ritual mitzvot. There's a lot of mitzvot he will keep. It's, a, it's intrinsic benefit to be Jewish. But the problem here is not just lack of full mitzvot. It's that you are amongst, presumably, from Jews and what impact that will have. And then he says, Uledina pashut zeger klal. And anyway, to me, it's obvious that it's even halachically it's no good. But while saying that, implicitly recognizing that maybe there is a halachic argument to say it is good, and but still being clear about what the policy needs to be. So in that shuva, Rav Moshe deals with the case of it being clear that the acceptance of mitzvot is pro forma, not sincere. We now jump ahead 40 years to a tshuva written in 1968, Yerdea 3106, a long tshuva, where he deals with the question of when there is an acceptance of mitzvot, but it is not complete. The thing that wasn't complete about it, it's actually not something like Shabbos or Kashrus, but the woman was not, did not want to dress in the, what Ramosha considers the most modest fashion. It uh, doesn't want to mean that she wanted to dress immodestly, but presumably not what was the standards within the from or yeshivish community. Is that considered chutz ledavar echad? You know, that I'm sectioning all the mitzvahs, but not this one halacha. Would that actually invalidate the geiris? So, of course, you know, our inclination would be to jump to that point itself and ask how much is that really not accepting an area of halacha? Uh, but Rav Moshe, again, uses this, as he has done elsewhere, as an opportunity to discuss this more general question of what is our standard for accepting the mitzvot? And that's what he begins with. He says, Inyan hageiris, ruban de ruban heimbishvil ishut. And here he puts out a critique about, you know, why are we allowing so many conversions altogether if they are, the vast majority are for the sake of marriage, and according to the Gemara, they're not supposed to to do a conversion for the sake of marriage. Post facto, it works, but Rav Moshe is now saying, first of all, why are we doing these conversions? Another place in where he's sort of questioning what the facts on the ground and what the policy are. Now, I should note that a number of postgim actually have made, say that there's a huge distinction between the time of the Gemara and nowadays in terms of this halacha, that in the time of the Gemara, you couldn't marry this person if you didn't convert. So the conversion is not certainly sincerely motivated, but nowadays, people can live together they can be married in secular court. So the fact that they're choosing to convert and to have a Jewish wedding should actually be seen as a desire to be Jewish because they have other options available to them. Um, Rav Moshe does not engage in this argument, but one should note that. One should also note that, contrary to many people's impression, often it is those who convert because of marriage that own their Jewish identity in a much more lasting way because they have a support system and because they have a family that they're converting into, uh, whereas those that convert sometimes because uh, they're, they're inspired by the truth of Judaism 
uh, sometimes that type of motivation, sometimes that type of inspiration can go away and the observance and their Jewish identity can fall off. Anyway, Rav Moshe critiques this idea that we are so ready to accept people who are converting for the sake of marriage. And then he says, so Rav Moshe now says what he didn't sort of, what he hinted to another to vote, that if their motivation is not sincere, maybe their acceptance of mitzvot is not genuine. Now, of course, the Gemara seemed to say that after the fact, we'll presume that it is. But Rav Moshe says, nowadays, what we know what the facts on the ground are, and maybe we actually have to say that this person is only a doubtful gear because there's good reason to suspect given the contemporary context that they are not really sincere about their acceptance of mitzvot. Now the problem is, is that the normal principle, as we've seen before, is dvarim shabalev, something they're thinking doesn't matter. And Rav Moshe before said, unless it's, if it's patently obvious they're lying, then that would be no good. But it's not patently obvious. There's a reason to suspect so here Rav Moshe introduces a completely new concept, and he says, because of the suffix of the doubt, there's an anan sadi that there's a doubt, <laughs> that there is, it is self-evident that there's a reason to suspect that there's a possibility that this person might not be sincere. Normally you would say, that's not anan sadi. That means it might be sincere, might be not, and the principle is we go by what they say. But Rav Moshe says when we have so many facts on the ground, we have to say that that translates what we're hearing that they're accepting as only a possible acceptance and that this person's status would be a suffix gear. So he says, who can anan sahadi shayesh safek? It's an anan sahadi that there's a doubt. And therefore we should lahziko rak his suffix gear. He's only a doubtful gear. Then he again raises the issue he raises before that usually the spouse isn't observant, another reason to think that they're not sincere, although he turned that around in an earlier tshuva, and then he deals with the phenomenon that there are rabbis who accept this. That they are accepted even by rabbis who fear God. Now I should say something about the Yirei Hashem. You could say it's just a way of characterizing the particular rabbis he's talking about, but uh, somebody has noted, and I think that this is correct, that when Rav Moshe is talking about the yeshiva, community, he refers to them as Yireim, or Yirei Hashem. And when he talks about the modern Orthodox community, he talks about them as Shomrei Mitzvot. So if there are Rabbanim, so not only are they not rabbis, they're not conservative rabbis, they're Orthodox rabbis, but they're Orthodox rabbis in the yeshivish community that are doing this, accepting these types of, of marriages, for the, of conversions for the sake of marriage, where it's a questionable house and seer. So how does he make his peace with this? Like, why are they doing this if it's such a question? So if Moshe says, They're being pressured by their congregants. I don't know if that's true, if that's how he's going to choose to interpret why they're doing it. Um, and therefore he says, but we really have to work to try to prevent these types of conversion. So here you see him addressing not just the halachic issue, it is halachic a little bit, this l'chatchila question, but also the policy issue and trying to have that issue of policy or suggesting that that issue of sincerity of motivation can actually turn this case into doubtful conversion, even though it's not something that we would normally call an anan sahadi. And now he turns to the particulars of the case of somebody not wanting to to dress in a modest, what he considers a modest fashion. And here he deals with two questions. Before, again, he gets to the particulars, he, he 
here straight on he deals with the question of is chutz midavar echad, does that invalidate the conversion? I'll basically accept most or all, but not a few things or not one thing. Because the Gemara says you don't accept Gerim if they say I'm going to do it all except one thing. We know from earlier Kivos that Rav Moshe took it for granted that even if they reject one thing, it's no good. But in this Kuva, he says, you know what, there's a very good argument to say that post facto, if that would be a good conversion. That if they fundamentally accept the mitzvot, with the exception of a few things, how many is a few is a good question, but that at least post facto would be good. And he says the language of the Gemara is ein mekablim, which is a lichatchila language, and it does not say that post facto it's not good. He goes into a long analysis of this. What I'll just sort of pull out from that is two points. One is that in discussing why it's clear from the Gemara, besides the language of Ein Mekablin, which suggests that it's a lechatchila position, where else is the evidence that this post facto would be good? Rav Moshe says, well, the Gemara also says if somebody does it except for even davar echad sofrim, a rabbinic law, they reject. And then Rav Moshe, without any textual evidence, says, and it, I can't imagine that the rabbis would invalidate something that is a legitimate to a right to conversion because the gear is refusing to accept a rabbinic law. So fascinating that he is using what to him seems self-evident or makes logical sense about what the rabbis would do and would they invalidate something that is biblically uh, valid as a basis for proving that clearly this only means l'chadchila and not post facto. The other thing that is fascinating is that he turns to the famous story where Hillel converted somebody who said that they'll accept the written Torah, not the oral Torah, or they'll accept it provided that they're allowed to be a Kohen Gadol, and Hillel accepted him, and Rashi there already says, what about the principle of not accepting a Ger who says that they're excluding one thing? And Rashi gives whatever answer Rashi gives, and Rav Moshe goes into a long discussion of Rashi and the Maharsha about what exactly was the case with Hillel and what emerges from there in terms of this principle. In the end, he concludes, based on his analysis, that what emerges is this principle is only a lechatchila principle. So this is one case. Other posts can also pay attention to that case, but it is not at all surprising for Rav Moshe to have a long discussion about an agadic passage and then to derive a halachic rule or principle from it. So at the end of this long discussion of chutz midavar echad, he is inclined to say that actually post facto it's not a problem, uh, different than what he has ruled elsewhere. One other case he looks at in terms of the issue of chutz midavar echad is a story in the Gemara where a slave had a non-Jewish woman that he was interested in convert to become Jewish, so then, and then he would live with her and marry her, although halachically it wouldn't be a marriage. And Rav Moshe says, but one minute, for a Jewish woman to sleep with a slave is a violation of a mitzvah, and it sounds from the Gemara that it worked. So this is another evidence that chutz midavar echad still works. Now this is so relevant because a very common scenario is a case of a Kohen who is living with a non-Jewish woman, and do we convert the non-Jewish woman better that he should be living with a Jew, but a Kohen, a Gioret, and a convert is halachically forbidden? And does it automatically make it a problem of chutz midavar echad? So Rav Moshe here has laid sort of the groundwork based on this case in the Gemara to say that at least post facto, that would be a Gioret that would work. In this Tuva, Rav Moshe is inclined to conclude different than what he has said elsewhere, that post facto, if a person excludes one thing, it's not a problem. And then he turns to the case at hand about not dressing in a modest fashion. And here, he says, even if we were to be strict and to think that chutz midavrechad post facto would not be an issue, there's a reason to be lenient in this case. Why? 
So one of us might have said, well, is this biblical? It's only rabbinic. Rav Moshe himself said on a rabbinic issue, presumably they would not nullify it you know, after the fact. But Rav Moshe goes in a different direction, something we've seen elsewhere. Rav Moshe says that what constitutes Kabbalat mitzvot is not the question of whether objectively we are committed to do everything we know the mitzvahs consist of. The question is, were they sincere in accepting the mitzvot as far as they knew them to be? Um, and based on that, he said, a woman who looks around her and sees other from women dressing in a certain fashion, we could all say that that's in violation, but this woman, even if the basin tells her the halacha is she has to dress modestly, doesn't really believe them. And because she doesn't believe them, rather than that being a problem in her Kabbalat mitzvot, it helps her Kabbalat mitzvot, it makes it more sincere. So here's what he says. Now so many women are going not dressed in a modest fashion. Even those that are shomrot Torah, I don't know if he would also include Yirei Hashem, going back to that question of which community he's talking about. This non-Jewish woman, when the rabbis tell her it's a halacha, she thinks, nah, it's a stringency, it's not a real halacha. And therefore, they say, no, it's a real halacha. She doesn't believe them. Okay, And therefore, when she is converting, she is really fully, sincerely accepting all the mitzvot as she believes them to be. So we've seen him use this issue before to deal with the question about converting when the spouse isn't observant and this person isn't going to be observant, that maybe it still constitutes Kabbalat mitzvot if they believe that what they are really committing to the mitzvot, even if we know that that is not a full level of observance. So here in this tshuva, it's quite fascinating that Rav Moshe is constantly rethinking his positions, that he is willing to seriously consider that chutz midavar echad should work post facto, in opposition to what he had said earlier. So taking these two vote together, what we see is that on the one hand, he has a high standard. If it's self-evident, it's not a Kabbalat mitzvot, it's not good. If there's even serious doubt whether it was sincere, he wants to argue that that's a type of an anansadi, and it's, it's a suffix gerut. And on the other hand, saying what he didn't say in any other tshuva, that post facto, chutz midavar echad might not be a problem. And giving a basis for thinking about a case of a Kohen living with a non-Jewish woman. And again, also revisiting this idea that it, what really matters is the sincerity of the person and not whether objectively they are committing to do all the mitzvot as we know them. And that is something that is very relevant to how we're thinking about today about what constitutes Kabbalat mitzvot. Thanks for listening to Igris Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Shivat Chovevei Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out yctorah.org to learn more.